Hell yeah, brother. Oh yeah, little Bachman Turner Overdrive. Bachman Turner Overdrive from the year 1973, Taking Care of Business. That's a classic. I was humming that this morning. Whenever it uh, hits me right square uh, in the head that I literally do nothing all day, I think of that song and I think, man, I got to start taking care of business. Uh, my name is Jimmy Seleski. Happy Thursday to you. My favorite day of the week, as we've discussed in the past. Um, I'm trying a couple things different today than even yesterday. I'm constantly just trying to think. Uh, I was told by one of the people that I listened to, uh, their podcast, I was listening to uh, Gavin McInnes and Anthony Cumia show yesterday, um, Compound Censored, which is a, I mean, it's a great listen. I can't recommend it enough. I, I'm not a big fan of the fact that they have to do a Skype thing now because Anthony moved to South Carolina. Um, it's kind of a bummer. You lose a little bit of that uh, chemistry, I think. But overall, it's still it's still the shit. Um, he brought up the fact that podcasters are always right up on the mic like this. And I've been doing that for like eight years. Because in my opinion, I thought it sounded better. But uh, I think this sounds fine, does it not? You can see my face. Uh, I am kind of far off the mic. Maybe it has a little bit more room sound to it. So I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to this because obviously I did not do any sound check beforehand. Um, yeah. A uh, couple things to talk about today. Actually, more than a couple. I got, I got a solid amount of Twitter talk I wanted to get into. A um, couple headlines right off the bat. Uh, big announcement. Uh, I am now gay. I went to... The story yesterday, uh, in the middle of the day, which I thought, I really thought that was going to be like a, a mind-boggling experience, because I'm used to going to the grocery store at like 7, 8, 9 p.m., degenerate hours, um, but yesterday I had 30 minutes to spare at like 2, so I went there, and uh, it was like less stocked than it is at night. How does that work? What time do they stock the stores? They had like no, none of the Greek yogurt. I, I, I like the 2% Greek yogurt. They had like none of that left. So I had to get the full fat 5%, which I'm not going to lie. After having eaten 2% uh, Faye Greek yogurt for the past, like however many years, when you get that full fat, I almost forgot that that's how it's supposed to taste. Like that's the real Greek yogurt. Dude, it is so good. It's so good. It's so creamy. It's like the best. Pop a little honey on that. You don't have to be like a... Don't, I don't like the white people shit. Not that I'm not white. I'm Greek. A little seasoned white, I think. Greeks and Italians. A little bit more flavor than your standard waspy white person. I don't like that white waspy shit where they put fruits and berries and all kinds of shit. Honey. Maybe granola. Maybe granola. I could, I could be talked into some blueberries. But overall, if you're enjoying Greek yogurt, here's what you do. You put the Greek yogurt in a cup. You drizzle some honey on top. I would recommend not even mixing it in. I would recommend just 
just kind of sparsing out the honey. It's like a fun little treat. Every bite is like something to look forward to. Every bite, you never know how it's going to taste. You mix it in, you kind of take that fun away. Don't mix in honey to your yogurt. Drizzle it on top. Treat it like a creme brulee of sorts. You know what I mean? Anyway, that's not the reason why I'm gay. Although, <laughs> it could be. Um, the reason why I'm gay is because I, I bought some facial moisturizer yesterday. Sarah V. Sarah V. Maybe she's beautiful. That's Maybelline. I, I bought some facial, uh, skin renewing and <laughs> I can't even bring myself to say, um, look, here's the reality. I'm 31 years old. Um, when I was in my twenties, I used to Notice that the main way that you could tell a guy was in his 30s were his eyes. When you get to your late, late 20s into your early 30s, your eyes start, you kind of start seeing those, uh, I don't want to say crow's feet, but just kind of like you, the, all the blinks that you take throughout your life start to kind of add up. Um, and you can kind of see it's a little bit, it's a little bit less full under here or whatever. And, um, after not having an led light in my bathroom for like a month over the holidays, I finally got it fixed, which means I can finally look at myself under a lit mirror again. And, uh, I noticed those, I, I, I noticed a semblance of those lines. I was starting to see it and I had, you know, I'm 31. It's natural. And at that point, I had two choices. I could either change my lifestyle, stop smoking cigarettes, uh, stop drinking as much, get more sleep, uh, drink more water, or I could go to Safeway and for 20 bucks, have a little CeraVe in my medicine cabinet. What's wrong with that? And the beautiful thing is, having lived with my brother whose girlfriend was always over and having had a girlfriend myself who was over frequently, we already, I already have, I live there alone now, but I already have a lot of like leftover girl shit, you know, like just random like nail polish remover, makeup wipes, fucking weird conditioners and shampoos I never plan on using, just like all kind lady razors, all kinds of shit that just wherever a girl sets her foot magically your cabinets are just full of just all this as soon as a girl walks in your house you have six new things in your bathroom cabinet and your shower you can't move around it anymore and and that's what happens you know that's what happens so ideally i'd be able to play this new mo facial moisturizing lotion uh that i i bought for myself i could play that off it's just like oh yeah the girls left that there oh yeah you don't you see everything else obvious like me Anti-aging skin renewal cream? No. No. I don't care about that stuff. The truth is I kind of don't, but also it's like there's just a couple things that um, they're like why not things. You know, like I kind of cringe when I see anyone really get like uh, plastic surgery and stuff, cosmetic surgery. If you, If there's like a massive issue you're trying to, improve upon like if you have like a defect or or like something like that knock yourself out but people kind of get addicted and they uh to to just like reshaping their face and their body 
And I, I've always kind of looked down on that. I always thought it stemmed from insecurity and, and it never, the thing is about plastic surgery is it never, it almost never looks better. Um, and, and what happens is you're so used to how you look. Uh, and, and in the music industry, we call this demoitis. Demoitis is when you're producing a song and obviously the first stage of producing a song is, is you kind of recording like ideas and you kind of formulate a demo. Like you basically get the song as close as how you'd like it to sound ideally in your own head. And then once, and then that is brought into the producers where they hear what your ideas are. And then you work from there. And what happens is when the finalized version comes out or as a song begins to change into its final form, a lot of times the band, the artist starts to find themselves not liking the newer versions, not because the newer version is necessarily uh, worse, but because they're so used to the other version that anything that's not that version seems worse to them because it's not what they're expecting. Um, And I bring that up as kind of a metaphor for I think what happens with these people who go down these plastic surgery rabbit holes is you're so used to your face looking a certain way your entire life. Whether you like that or not, you know, let's say you don't like your nose, you're still spending 18, 19 years at the minimum, assuming that, I don't think you can get a nose job when you're under 18, or I don't think you should be allowed to, let's say that. I'm pretty sure you probably can with parental consent, but I think elective cosmetic surgery should not be legal for for minors. But anyway, regardless, let's call it 18, at, at least you're used to your nose for 18 years. Uh, when you get that new nose, it might look better, but I feel like there's a part psychologically in your mind that still can't completely learn to love it because it's not what you're used to and it doesn't actually look like you. And you have this version of what you want to look like in your mind. And 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 it's not what you're looking at in the mirror. And then that leads people to, oh, well, maybe I'll just get this tweaked and that tweaked, blah, blah, blah. And that and then you that's how people start going down that rabbit hole. They 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 fix something that wasn't broken. They make it, it, it doesn't turn out the way they thought it would. And then they spend the rest of their lives just trying to get their face to look normal again. It happens all the time. It's actually a very sad thing uh, when I see it. Um, but that's what happens. And I, I've, any woman in my life, especially, I've always encouraged it, please, please just don't go down that road. I'm telling you, don't do it. Um, that being said, there's some small minor things that, like I said, they're like, why not things? Like, why not whiten your teeth? That's something I still haven't done. I do get baking peroxide, baking soda peroxide toothpaste. Um, uh, and, and that is noticeable. Actually, one of my friends, my friend Alex said, oh, your teeth look, you have like pretty white teeth. And I was like, oh, sick. I never thought of that. But I did notice like a few months ago you know, as I mentioned, I smoke cigarettes from time to time. Not a lot. I didn't smoke any cigarettes yesterday. Maybe had two the day before, you know, like pack a week type of guy. Um, but it's, an, it's and I drink a couple of coffees every day and, and you know, all these things kind of add up. And uh, when I don't use that like specifically whitening toothpaste, I do notice my teeth like go, go down a shade or two, like two shades or whatever. And I don't get fucking cavities. Uh, a coworker of mine said that I have... Uh, she was a dental assistant, and this is how she knows, not, you know, any other reason, but uh, she was cleaning my teeth one day to, like, as a fulfillment for her graduating or whatever, 
and I volunteered. And then she was like, oh, you have a high saliva flow. And I was like, that's probably why I never get cavities, even though I only brush once a day. I brush in the morning. That's, I, I think most people, if they're being honest, do that. I, I, I feel like there's a myth in society that people brush when they wake up and before they go to bed. And then they want to start getting you on the after every meal thing too. No thanks. That's that's preposterous. Also, I only shower if I need to on a day. I shower every day after the gym on weekdays and I come out of the shower fresh fresh as a fairy on Fridays. And if I don't do anything that warrants a shower, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I might not shower again until Monday when I go to the gym again. Sue me. Um, but anyway, those little things like whitening your teeth, which I have not done, but those whitening strips, you go to the store, you put them on your teeth. What's the worst that happens? You know, guys aren't very cosmetically inclined. Um, you know, I was thinking about that the other day, just just going, just going to work and how how quick of a thing it is for me to get out of the gym, come home. Fix myself up a quick egg sandwich. Take a shower real quick while it's cooling off. Hop out, comb my hair, throw on an outfit, and walk out the door eating the fucking egg sandwich on the way down to the car in the elevator. And I was thinking like, geez, you know, like that is definitely obviously so different than what it takes for a girl to get ready. Um, so we're lucky in that way, but and it's normal. Society accepts it. Um, unfortunately society, I feel like society doesn't accept that I am now a, a, a lotion user. <laughs> I use low. That's right. I am a man and I use lotion for something other than jerking off. Oh, I learned that. I, now I know why previous girlfriends would get mad at me if I was using these. Dude, these lotions are expensive. These lotions are expensive. I never used lotions to moisturize my hands. Maybe if I was literally like sanding wood all day or lifting cinder blocks and transporting them, would I use lotion? But other than that, I don't really get ashy, uh, you know, whatever. Lotion, if you saw lotion in my house and there was a pie chart of what it was used for, it would be 104% for jerking off. Now? That is not the case. That is for my face, and you better not touch that. This is expensive. But anyway, it's got retinol in it. You know, it's vitamin A. Retinol, like your retinas, I guess it's good for your... It has nothing to do with eyes. I Wikipedia it, nothing. But I'm using it for my eyes, so hey, retinol seems to be the one. Um, but yeah, so there's your big news. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, you know, get rid of these crow's feet or whatever. And that I think I, I think that'll be the extent of my cosmetic journey as a man. I think the only other thing that I could see myself doing is uh, I could see myself if I were to go bald, which I feel like I'm not going to. Um, I feel like all the cards landed in the right place. My dad is not bald. Um, my mother's father, which they have that stupid fucking theory that it's like, it's your mother's father or something like that. My papu, I mean, he was like balding when he was like 88, but I mean, okay, that's a given. He also died too. So that's going to happen too when you get to a certain age. But like, I'm talking about like, uh, you know, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, 
even 70s. If it starts to go in my 80s, I, I, I think I'll, I, can, I can get over it. Um, but I don't, I don't even believe in that myth either, to be honest. I think it's just one of those made-up uh, wives' tales. That's right. It's wives' tales, like a wife, like a wives. It's not wise tale. I always thought it was wise tales, but it's not. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I'd ever like color my hair. Um, but I could see myself maybe getting implants if I were to go bald at a certain age. And I think, but I think that would be that I'm going to cut it right there. I'm going to cut it right there. Um, and I think that's respectable. I usually just think like what things could. No, you know what? I was going to use the example I usually think of like, could I imagine my dad doing it? That's how I go about a lot of stuff when I'm trying to think of like if what I'm doing is embarrassing or not. Not that my dad's super awesome, but he's like an older man and I kind of like look at like what I would expect out of him and if I'm doing something different, I'm like, am I being a fag right now? Like waiting in line for a bar. Sometimes if I find myself waiting in a line, a long line outside of a bar, I just think to myself, would Tony Seleski stand in a fucking line to get into a packed ass bar and the answer is of course no and i get the fuck out of the line i can't really think about that's a good way that's like a what what would jesus do that's a obviously probably the best way to um to uh you know go through life i'm, I'm, I'm not convinced jesus would wait in line either just just saying but what would your dad do and 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 that that'll answer a lot of questions Maybe it doesn't even have to be what your dad would actually do. More like, what do you think your dad would do? What is the, the image of your dad that you've created in your mind? How would he handle this situation? Handle it like that and boom, you've become a man. Congratulations. You're all grown up. Um, I have a couple things, obviously, I wanted to talk to besides how gay I am. Um, uh, the first, I'll start light. I'll start light. Um, it's a little bit of a, it's a lighthearted issue. It's not even an issue. It's honestly not an issue. I made it an issue for myself <laughs> uh, among my friends. Now, uh, I don't want this to be taken anyway, like I'm shitting on the company or anything. I have a lot of friends that work on, work at McCormick. Some of my closest friends work at McCormick. In fact, uh, I have so many friends and relationships at this company that I almost work at McCormick. Almost. Um, it's, uh, for those of you who don't know, McCormick is probably the biggest, if not one of the biggest, um, like spice companies in America. Uh, they're based right here in Baltimore, Maryland. And, uh, like I said, I have a lot of friends that work there. Now, Frank's hot sauce, Frank's red hot hot sauce is a brand under McCormick. And one of my friends at work, Sarah, posted a, uh, I guess like a, not a TikTok, because I'm sure they posted it on TikTok as well, but I'm not on TikTok because I use CeraVe anti-aging renewal lotion. Um, but they posted it on Instagram Reels, which is like my pace, you know. If you post a Reel, I'll see it. If you post it on TikTok, you're going to have to tell me about it. And that doesn't mean send me the TikTok link because I still won't see it. Um, but I see it if it's on reels and, uh, it was, I, I'm not, I was going to pull it up. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. I'm fucking pull it up because of shit. I'm being lazy as hell. I have all these fucking links to stuff in my show notes and I'm like, uh, but 
now I actually have to pull it up. This is, I mean, this is one here. It's it's just Jason Kelsey, you know, and I guess the whole. It's just like I guess the whole gag is that he's putting that shit on everything. Actually, that's the caption. I'm putting that shit on everything. That is their motto, their slogan, which I love. Um, and that's all well and good. I like Jason Kelsey, but I just thought the timing was, was bad. And again, I'm really trying to walk a fine line here because I actually did comment on that post yesterday and I said, you absolute traitors. Like you're a Maryland company. Um, and, and one week after the Baltimore Ravens lose a heartbreaking game in the AFC championship in Baltimore to the Kansas City Kelseys, Travis Kelsey, you know, uh, plays for the Chiefs. Jason Kelsey does not play for the Chiefs, but he's at the game. He's all memed out with his shirt off, drinking beers in the stands, rooting for the Chiefs. He's obviously rooting for his brother's team. He's obviously part of that Kelsey crew with Taylor Swift and all that. And obviously the Kelsey brothers are America's sweethearts right now. This goes without saying. Like I said, I like Jason Kelsey. And I think at any other time, I wouldn't give a shit that a Maryland brand is entering into a partnership with this NFL personality who he himself does play for the Eagles, which is like, who cares? Um, but, but, but one week after we lose to like his quote unquote team in the AFC championship, I, I'm sorry. I, I just didn't like, I didn't like it. I didn't like the timing. I love Frank's hot sauce. You know, I love McCormick. I'm not saying anything like, oh, I'm just saying, guys, come on, come on. I commented you absolute traitors on the post and uh, I thought about it and I was like, Jim, why are you like, not that anybody gave a fuck about my comment. I always think in terms of like, what if everybody likes my comment? What if my comment blows up? That's how my mind works. And then uh, luckily for me, nothing that I do blows up or gets really any attention. So I have a lot of room for error. I have a lot. I have, I have to like, I, I can like go back to a tweet or an Instagram comment like eight hours later. Like it was a morning comment. I think about it at night. I regret it. I delete it. Makes no difference. So, um, so I have that luxury. Lucky me. Um, I went back to that post to delete the comment because I thought, you know what? It's my friend's company. They work there. I think it's a little petty, this advertising campaign, but, you know, I don't want it to, I don't want people to see it and kind of be like, yeah, that's kind of true. Like, this is kind of, and then all of a sudden that becomes a thing, you know? I don't want to be the voice of my generation <laughs> in a bad way. Um, so I went to delete it. Luckily for me, it was already deleted. So I guess Frank saw it and was like, dude, fuck off, douche. And I was like, damn, I was going to delete it. Like, I was going to delete it. Uh, maybe that's why it didn't get any comp, any like replies. Maybe it was getting some love and they saw it and were like, okay, we can't have this. It kind of was like the only negative comment on there, which surprised me 
And maybe there are more now. Frank's is, of course, a national brand, so maybe a lot of the Maryland people that are on the post are just kind of being buried because I feel like only Maryland people would have this take that I'm expressing right now. But, um, you know, regardless, I do think it's kind of uh, traitorous of Frank's. I, not that they are traitors, but it's it's poor timing, and I think it's in bad taste right now. You know, McCormick has all kinds of great deals with the Ravens. They have box seats. My friends at work there went to the fucking AFC Championship game for free in a club suite. I've gone to games with them for free, sitting in the box and doing all kinds of fun shit. Like, do you guys have that at the Chiefs Stadium? Does Jason Kelsey hook you guys up with anything? Like, come on. Like, the Ravens are your team. Lamar Jackson literally won the MVP today. Today. 30 votes out of 32. I think Josh Allen got one and uh, maybe Brock Purdy or somebody else. I can't remember. Uh, Christian McCaffrey maybe or something. One of those, whatever. Um, but Lamar Jackson wins his second career MVP today. Why, you know, if you want to do the Jason Kelsey thing after the season, whatever, I'd say sure, whatever. It's a national brand. But but the timing of it to not have somebody like Justin Tucker or Lamar, it just struck me as very like inner corporate kind of like thinking like, oh my God, the Kelsey's are so fucking big right now. Like they're so big. We need to get in a partnership with, with the Kelsey brothers, like blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I see that, but I mean, you know, that same type of thinking, I'm not trying to compare the two. Cause again, I have no issues with McCormick outside of this one little, little, uh, you know, bone I'm picking as we speak. Um, you know, but like that was the same line of thinking that went along with like the Dylan Mulvaney thing with Bud Light, regardless of how you feel about it. It was obviously whoever came up with that idea had not considered how the public would respond to it. You know, when you, when you, if you're Bud Light and you do this partnership with Dylan Mulvaney, who's obviously this very polarizing figure, what happens is everybody on that team is probably a 30 something year old white chick. And all they're thinking is how they think about it, which is like, it's fun, it's cool. I actually got in a um, debate with one of my friends about that. And uh, she was like, well, and I was like, well, I mean, what it's kind of, to me, it's like, you know, you pick these polarizing figures to partner up with. And it's like, you know, what if, what if somebody was like, yo, let's do a partnership with, with Tucker Carlson, who we'll talk about in a second, like Tucker Carlson, you know, like, I think he's an awesome figure. Everybody in my like circle of the way I think and stuff like that, we kind of, I, I look at Tucker Carlson as like one of the good guys, you know? And it kind of sh- surprised, like I don't really even think about the fact that everybody hates him or whatever. So I'm gonna, you know, recommend that we do a partnership with this. And then, but it's like, I like Tucker Carlson, but if I worked at a company, I wouldn't I wouldn't be like, yo, let's let's have him endorse our product because I know that's polarizing. And I'm making a lot of comparisons that seem like very grandiose compared to this Kelsey thing, which is like, just know that that's what it is. These are not really comparable. I'm just kind of making an analogy a little bit where I would think if I was on the marketing team at McCormick, I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah, the Kelsey brothers are popping. Yes, we have the ability to enter into a partnership with one of them. But given the timing of everything, is our Maryland market going to respond well with us kind of just hopping on the Kelsey train one week after they eliminated 
eliminate us. It did eliminate elim, eliminated us from the uh, playoffs. That's just my two say. Hey, you know what? You know what? Maybe not. I'll check the comments again. I'll see. Uh, maybe maybe I'm just a dick, and that crossed my mind. Um, and nobody else gives a fuck. But you know, I'd be lying if I said I I, I that this podcast wasn't brought to you by Crystal today. Hey, I like Frank's Red Hot, but today I'm on Crystal. Pure Louisiana hot sauce, extra hot. This is the extra hot version for an extra hot take. I love Crystal. I love Frank's Red Hot. I buy Frank's Red Hot a lot. I will continue to buy Frank's Red Hot if I'm at a restaurant and they have Frank's Red Hot. That's a good day. I got to be honest. Crystal might be my favorite, though. I always have Crystal and Frank's. Frank's for my friends, Crystal for me. Um, I had it on grits and everything when I was down in New Orleans. I've been in New Orleans a few times, and it just tastes like the spirit of Louisiana. So, thanks, Crystal. Thanks for not partnering up with the Kelsey brothers, Crystal Kelsey. Um, speaking of Tucker Carlson, let's talk a little bit about this big interview with a little man by the name of, I don't know if you heard of him, Vladimir Putin. I must break you. That's right. Tucker Carlson will be interviewing. I think he already did the interview, I would imagine. It's being released on X. I hate, I just got to say this real quick. I cannot stand that we have to call it X. In fact, we don't have to call it X. And it's safe to say, I know I've said this before, it's safe to say we're not calling it X, okay? People still call it Twitter. The fucking web domain is still twitter.com. You still get retweets. Elon Musk is just a little too, I, I like Elon, but you know, he has this like weird obsession with X, the like the letter or something. I don't know what it is. You know, he's not good at naming stuff. He named his own, look, look at his kid. Clearly, Elon has a lot of strong suits. He has a lot of strengths. He has a lot of things that he brings to the table. The ability to name things is not one of them. He named his kid like a nuclear code. Um... He named his company Tesla, which is just another dude's last name. <laughs> I like Nikola Tesla. I mean, one of the great inventors of all time. But And I said before on Sam Kelly's podcast, I said, you know, Nikola Tesla was celibate his entire life. He never, I don't know, maybe, it was, I don't know if it was an entire life or he even just like decided halfway through that he was going to stop fucking. But regardless, he never had any kids that I'm aware of. And, you know, so the only way that he could reproduce is by, he's got to pass his name on somehow. And so Elon carries the name, the Tesla name. Um, but, you know, that might be the best thing he's done name-wise is Tesla. And even that's just naming it after another dude. And then, of course, X. It's silly. I'm not doing it. No one's doing it. Um, bring back the bird logo on the phone. J give it up. You own Twitter. We get it. I like what you've done with it. But the name's got to go. 
Anyway, and, and I, I'm tired of, may, it's mainly conservative pundits that do this, where they're like, um, when we were talking on X, that was my attempt at a Ben Shapiro, they take it to, conservatives have an issue, and the issue is that we, that we appear to be um, squares, nerds, like no fun. And luckily for us, the left is kind of doing that to themselves now. Like the, the popular left is like, like leftists in, in society, leftists in culture is like the cool, hip, whatever. But leftists in politics, the political left is the nerdy, whatever. The political right is, are, the, are the like kind of cool kids, I would say, like the fun ones, whatever. Right? I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but if you think about the way that like someone like Gavin Newsom talks and the type of shit he says versus the way like fucking Vivek Ramaswamy and Trump. Think about Trump, Vivek versus Joe Biden, uh, Kamala Harris, Gavin Newsom, like the right is kind of just more like, ah, fuck you, bitch. You can like that or not. I just, that's just what I've noticed. But the cultural left, that's where all the hip hop and actors and all the cool people, it's the reverse on the right. So we have the cool politicians, the ones that are like more fun to listen to, honestly. I mean, Trump's Twitter is obviously more entertaining than Joe Biden's Twitter. Okay, can we at least agree on that? But the cultural right, the societal right, has a bad reputation for being squares. And calling Twitter X seriously, unironically, is not fucking helping, okay? Ben Shapiro, I'm looking at you. Call it Twitter. When you say every damn time, it's every damn time, not every damned time. I know that that's like probably how it's actually pronounced, but like, dude, give it a rest a little bit. Just give it a rest a little bit. Lighten up. Anyway, this... Tucker Carlson interview with Putin will be dropping tonight. That's Thursday night, February 8th at 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, 4 Central for all of you in the Central time zone and all the other times as well. Um, and that's, uh, look, I'll, I'll start here. This is a, a rhetorical question that I want you to answer for yourself before I chime in. Do you think that it is acceptable for a prominent American, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say journalist, I'll say commentator or editorialist or pundit or whatever, whatever you consider Tucker Carlson to be, do you think it is acceptable or appropriate or even legal, um, which is also a question I'm hearing, for him to interview Vladimir Putin, a Russian dictator, the leader of a country that we're kind of at war with. Um, what do you think? What do you think, Jim? All right, fine. I'll tell you what I think. Um, yeah, all of the above. I think it is acceptable. I think it is appropriate. I think it's legal. 
And I'll even tack on another word just so you know I know synonyms. I think it's necessary. And I think it's kind of weird that censorship or the, the silencing of the other side has become so normalized, so regular in this day and age that the prospect of not at least hearing what the opposition has to say is off the table for a large swath of the American public. Hearing what somebody has to say does not mean agreeing with them. Has anybody ever heard the saying, know thy enemy? Know your enemy if you don't speak fucking pig Latin? How are you going to engage in a conflict while having absolutely no clue who you're fighting, what their motives are, how they feel about things? How are you going to resolve something? I mean, what's the goal here? I'm not even, look, I have the word espionage written in my fucking notes because apparently some people are uh, referencing the Espionage Act that Tucker Carlson could somehow be guilty of espionage. Apparently the whole, um, the legal definition or the constitutional, whatever the fuck it is, is very broad, which is like kind of how that shit works. And so, you know, if you're weaselly enough, you can make anything, anything really. Um, It's kind of what law is. Uh, and, uh, you know, so it's like providing information or whatever. Tucker Carlson's a civilian. He doesn't hold any political office. He doesn't have any classified, uh, knowledge that I'm aware of unless somebody that's actually in the government has been leaking it. Um, he's a guy who is obviously because of his job and his position in public is obviously about as in tune with politics as you possibly can be, but he's a civilian. Um, and I don't think that, I think you'd be hard pressed to make the argument that a civilian having an interview with the leader of a country is tantamount to espionage that, that, I mean, and, and I think that history will, uh, prove me correct there. I don't think we'll be seeing Tucker Carlson go to jail for espionage. And if we do, Buckle up, because at that point, it's, wow. But anyway, look, I don't, look, here's the thing. We, we've been involved with this Ukraine thing for two years. It's not sexy anymore. It's not cool. Ukraine was cool for, from like February 2022. Then it was like some other shit. Then it was like Israel-Palestine was hopping for a minute. That's still kind of there, but it's not as cool as it was like three weeks ago. Um, so now we just like, as is normal, as is the, the theme, we just find ourselves in this kind of weird proxy war where we are funding and aiding Ukraine and their allies, but we're not technically fighting, but we're in this weird proxy war with Russia that shows no anything semblance of ending. 
there's been really no moves that I'm aware of that have seemed promising in the name of, of coming to a reasonable conclusion for this conflict. And the main opponent leading the other side of this conflict is the leader of Russia. Can we can we fucking talk to the guy? Can we hear what he's saying? Can we at least can he be given a chance to sound like a complete fucking maniacal dictator so that we can maybe I don't know just like reassure ourselves that the cause is correct or whatever? Like what I I guess what I'm saying is what is what is the downside? What are people afraid of? Don't give me the whole SBO oh, Tucker Carlson is going to give him insight. Fuck all that. That's bullshit and you know it. Why is the media actually afraid? Because that's what it is. It's fear. Why? Why do the powers that be want so badly for you to reject the concept of an interview with Vladimir Putin. Am I trying to say that Putin's cause is a good one and that it's actually the Americans that have a bad cause? No, it's not what I'm trying to say. Am I trying to say that Both sides of this conflict have a reason for fighting. They believe that they are on the right side and that both sides, as well as having some valid points, also have created a narrative Russia and America to their people to justify their cause and have an active interest in silencing anyone or anything that might expose some of the falsities in their narrative, that might expose the true motives for this conflict in the first place. The powers that be in America don't want people hearing what Russia has to say, essentially, because they're afraid some of it might make sense. If Tucker Carlson was conducting an interview with a crazy homeless man in Times Square who believes that the Russians' cause in the Ukraine conflict is a good one. Does anyone think that his rivals in the media would feel threatened by that or take issue with that? Just a crazy man. Uh, let me tell you something. I'll tell you something right now. Zelensky, Mr. Piano Piece player guy, 
No, they wouldn't give a shit. Why? Because the guy would be crazy. He'd be saying stupid shit. He wouldn't make sense. But when it's the leader of a sovereign country, and this is what they do, because I'm sitting here walking on eggshells, trying not to sound like a Putin sympathizer. But that's how they get you. That's how they get you. Take note of that. Take note of the fact that even, I'm talking to myself right now. Take note that even saying something that you genuinely believe in, which is, why not fucking talk to the guy? And literally, why not? What is your reason for not talking? Don't, don't give me your reason for why talking to him is bad. I want to hear your reason for why not talking to him is good. The burden of proof is on you. The burden of proof is on you. I don't have to sit here and justify why I'm doing something because it's a fucking free country and I'm a free person, all right? You, if you don't want me to do something, you're going to have to explain to me why that's a bad thing. And I sit here feeling apprehensive to say anything that might seem like what I, that what I am saying, which is, yeah, I support this interview. I am actively interested in hearing what this man has to say. My only regret is that English isn't his first language and we can't have like a true dialogue just between two dudes talking about issues. And it's probably, I don't know, he might be able to speak English. I don't know what how, at what level he speaks English. Maybe he's conversational, but it's, you know, obviously not going to be his first language. Um, or maybe it might even have to be through a translator, which I imagine is the most likely case um, when you're, you know, so that there's a level of like not quite a full thing there. That's my only regret. Nothing else. Some people are saying, uh, you know, well, as long as Tucker pushes back, as long as he asks some tough questions, as long as I'm going to be honest, I don't even give a shit about that. I don't it's not Tucker Carlson's job to uh, defeat Vladimir Putin. It's not his fucking job. OK, I just want to hear what the guy has to say. I can decide for myself. And the American public can, can decide for themselves what he means or what they what they agree with and what they disagree with. Should Tucker Carlson take on a more, um, I guess, like adversarial approach? I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps you could get more out of the interview by just being friendly and hearing what they have to say and not turn it into a fucking wrestling match. You know, either way, it's better than what we've been doing, which is nothing, and then just having to take the word of someone else's report of someone else and then being clipped into this, and then all of a sudden the entire American public just has this idea of what's going on with no context. That It's got to be better than that. So, yeah. I guess, do you agree with that? Do, do you at least agree that it is kind of crazy, the psychological position you get put in in today's day and age, um, where even flirting with the idea of something that doesn't, that isn't deemed as socially acceptable kind of like you, you, you kind of self-censor, like I'm kind of like holding back and I'm sure you get that too. 
um, these things like Putin sympathizer, Putin apologist, whatever, those labels, things like that. Um, you know, if you have any issues with the way that um, the global political powers have been handling, um, you know, climate change and things like that, you're a climate denier. You're not a guy who's like, well, you know, I, I can rec I, I like the environment too. I can recognize that there are things that can be done, but like, you know, I think this, nope, nope climate denier. Uh, you know, you have questions about the, um, you know, you're a little apprehensive to take the vaccine or something, the COVID vac vac vaccine, anti-vax, whatever. That's what they do. That is what they do. And that's purposeful. What they do is they take the most ridiculous mischaracterization of the opposition and they take that label and apply it to anyone who disagrees with them. So now the second you question anything, you are the same as the most ridiculous version of a person who disagrees with them. That's how they undermine you. That's how they delegitimize you. That's how they disenfranchise you. And that's how they marginalize you. And now I'm going to put my thesaurus down. So just know that. Ain't nothing wrong with talking to the guy. And a lot of people are going to, if you're a political type of person, people are going to talk to you about it and they're going to give you a whole bunch of shit when you talk to them that they heard somebody else say. Oh, well, you know, he's, he's giving a platform. Fuck all that. Anytime people use words like that, look out for those words. Words that like normal people don't say. Like when people talk about Trump, he just spews this rhetoric. Okay, dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna press pause and, and rewind on you because you're clearly just a fucking cassette tape playing back whatever's been drilled into your head by whatever the fuck you're surrounded by. Those aren't your words. I've never heard you use the word spew or rhetoric in your fucking life. And now all of a sudden, that's your tagline when it comes to Trump. Okay. He's giving a platform. Okay. Okay. Just know it's all bullshit. Um, outside of that, guys, I mean... It is Thursday. The college basketball scene is, let's just say it's looking a little dry tonight. Certainly not wet tonight. Weird games tonight. Weird games. I think they probably do that on purpose, right? There's like no big time teams playing tonight. There's like a couple good games. Um, this is a segment I like to call The Rook Look. I, Jimmy the Rook Seleski, noted... Uh, talented gambler. Um, I will deliver unto you my pick, parentheses, S, picks, maybe, of the day. I traffic mainly when it comes to my public picks in the realm of bonuses, um, boosts, profit boosts, things like that, um, because I know for a fact that those are profitable. My actual accuracy has no true bearing on whether or not a boosted bet is profitable. I will explain why that is the case in coming episodes. I'm doing this five days a week for the rest of my life. So we have plenty of time to get into why that is, uh, but not today. Let me just tell you that if you're getting a 25, 30, 
50%, 100% boost on a regular line on a sports book, that bet is profitable. Doesn't mean you're going to win the bet. There's no such thing as a lock in gambling. It's all probability. But it does mean that if you were to take those bets, that over the course of time, in the long term, you will have made money. Those bets are what we call positive EV, effective or expected value. I always, I always thought it was effective value. It's expected value. That's a term they use in stocks, expected value. It's based off of probability, volatility, things like that. Gambling works the same way. Um, you know, these lines are set at probability levels, which are then um, translated into payout odds. Uh, so because I don't want to be blamed for fucking anyone over, I'm not just going to sit here and give you out a bunch of picks, which from my end are, you know, based off modeling systems and things that I've constructed over the past year or so um, that I will be implementing. Um, but I don't want you to also bear the burden of that um, in case I fail. So instead, we're just going to talk about bonus bets and boosts. Sometimes there's a lot. Sometimes there's only like a handful. Very rarely there's none. Usually there's at least one if you have DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM. If gambling isn't legal in your state, I apologize. Don't know what to tell you. Um, but if it is, you, you should at least have FanDuel, DraftKings, and, and MGM. Um, and today there is only one boost that I came across, uh, and it's on DraftKings. Is a 25% college basketball parlay boost. Now, I do not advocate for parlays. In the words of my friend Lucas, parlays are for poor people. And that is true. Parlays are for poor people. Um, parlays are the lottery ticket of the sports betting world. A parlay is when you are... Uh, pairing multiple bets together as one bet so that all of them have to hit in order for you to win the overall bet or the parlay. Obviously, the payout is much larger because you're taking more of a risk when you're piling multiple different bets together that all have to hit. Um, but the vig, the juice that the sports books put on the payout is so drastic that over the course of time what happens is people take these plus 1000 bets plus 2000 bets which are like paying out 10 to 1 uh you know 20 to 1 whatever and they might hit one like once every month let's say you're betting $10 on a parlay you might hit one once a month but if you're betting a parlay every day 30 days a month that means you're betting $300 a month. That one time you hit and make 200, congratulations, dude. You just spent 300 to make 200. And that's how juice works. And that's why parlays are stupid. Unless you get them for a boost. Now all of a sudden, that bet that has a 1 in 30 chance of hitting, instead of paying out 20 to 1, what if it paid out 35 to 1? Now that one time you win every month, you win 350, and now you've spent 300 to win 350. Hmm. That sounds like profit. 
because that's what profit is. So this particular bet is a three-leg parlay. It's a three-leg parlay because that was the minimum in order to qualify for the 25% bonus. I don't traffic in parlays unless there's a bonus. Um, but today, our three-leg parlay for college basketball, um, let's keep it close to home first. We're here in Baltimore. I'm in, uh, living in Towson. Towson's playing Delaware at home. Del- I mean, at Towson. Uh, Vegas line is Towson minus four. My model is shown Towson as minus six. This is a parlay, so I'm not going to start putting a bunch of spreads. I'm just going to say Towson money line. Just Towson to win outright. Okay? Um, second leg of the parlay. I'm a hometown guy. I'm, I'm taking it. Towson, Delaware is a rivalry. You know, whatever. You got you to gotta give it to them. They're actually pretty decent this year. I think they might make it to the March Madness. Um, second leg. Another just straight money line. Not a spread. Not a spread bet. Uh, it's going to be Iowa money line. They are playing Penn State at Penn State. So they're actually away today. Um, Vegas has them as minus one, one point favorites. My model shows them as minus three and a half. So this is actually going to be the tightest game. I'm not going to fuck with the minus one. I don't even, like, it hardly reduces the payout at that point to just take the money line. Um, so, you know, Iowa, Iowa, I'm not taking Iowa minus one. Iowa to win outright. You know, I think that's going to be probably the, be the best game tonight. Um, and then finally, this is the most controversial, the most divisive, divisive pick in my imagination. Um, Temple plus six and a half against Memphis. It is going to be at Temple in Philadelphia. Vegas has them as six and a half point underdogs, as you can see. My model shows this as a dead even matchup. Now, if you follow college basketball, maybe you think that is ridiculous. How how could you possibly be showing Memphis, who is actually doing pretty well this year, and Temple, who is performing not well at all? How could that be a dead even matchup? Well, the art is in the matchup itself. Temple, believe it or not, will win, in my opinion, the turnover and rebound battle. This is going to be a relatively faster-paced game. Temple is going to give up the ball less, and they're going to get the offensive rebounds more. They're going to get the boards in general more, which means they're going to be setting themselves up for more shot attempts in sheer volume alone. Their shooting percentage is not great. But something I learned about basketball is the team who gets more rebounds and less turnovers usually wins. Because the differential between a team that shoots the lights out and a team that does not shoot very well in percentage success rate is not all that significant compared to the fact that a team that's shooting, let's say, 50% and they only take 40 shot attempts, 
throughout a game, they're going to score less than a team who shoots, I don't know, let's say 40%. Let me make sure this math is correct before I... Yeah. And shoots 60 shot attempts or 55 or 51. You shoot 50% after 40 shots, that's 20 baskets. You shoot 40% after 50 shot after 50 shots, that's 20 baskets. So it's not all about shooting percentage. Temple has a bad shooting percentage, but they're going to be taking more attempts. That's the key. This is what the industry doesn't want you to know. Tell you what else the industry doesn't want you to know about Temple and Memphis. Temple and Memphis have extremely high home court advantages. That means in the case of Temple, they perform close to five points better at home than they do on average. Same goes for Memphis. Memphis performs five points worse away than they do on average. Work some math, some formulas. I'm showing a six-point swing in home field advantage alone for Temple. That's going to be massive, in my opinion. So with all that being said, all of the things that make Temple a relatively worse team in this matchup could spell, I don't want to get too crazy, but my model actually shows him as 0.1 point favorites, 0.1 point favorites. So dead even with a very, very infinitesimally small edge to Temple, making Temple, according to the Rooks model, well, that's me. The slight favorites. So we'll see. But I'm not going to fuck with all that, especially on a parlay. Temple plus six and a half. I believe in it. So there it is, folks. Your Rook look of the day. DraftKings 25% college basketball parlay. Minimum three legs. We got Iowa money line, Towson money line, and Temple plus six and a half. I'm going to keep track of my record over here. I'm not going to count parlays because parlays... Are, they're not 50-50 bets at all. The, the overwhelming likelihood is that this parlay will not hit. That's kind of the point, guys. It's kind of the point. The point is you're going to lose more than you win, but the amount you make when you win is going to cancel out and then some for the amount that you lose in pursuit of a win. Okay? So I'm not going to count that into my record. But spreads, over-unders, things like that will keep track. That way you know I'm not bluffing. All right? I'm not fucking bluffing. Um, happy Thursday to you folks. Till tomorrow, peace.